stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, first, I mean, you got, look, the uh, game in Edmonton this year. Calgary's going to host next year. Uh, Does the CFL, how do they feel? Do they like, do they prefer having these uh, big games in in Western markets or at least in in markets like this? I think it's kind of a a nice spot in the calendar for them when they know they're going to be in Alberta uh, because they don't have to worry about any issues with lack of interest in the game or the Grey Cup Festival not drawing any attention. It's it's a chance for them to go, boom, here we are, and everyone likes us here. We're very popular, and, uh, you know, the spirit of Edmonton here in Edmonton will be sold out for, you know, the rest of the weekend. And so it's great for them to be able to have a moment where they can be surrounded by people who genuinely love the CFL and, and not have to worry about some of those other challenges they face that you alluded to yeah well look i mean it's going to be a, I think a competitive game a nice big stadium mm-hmm. uh you know and it's probably not going to be terribly cold on sunday so uh it's all shaping up to be a pretty great weekend for the league sure and you know the fact that they have this year an ottawa red blacks team uh that was pretty good as opposed to the last couple of years the eastern representative has been uh, you know, 500 or worse team that just kind of stumbled their way through the season and all of a sudden was playing for the trophy. That ends up, that sort of, those years are where you're, you're like, oh yeah, it's only a 19 league and sometimes you're going to get some duds. But this is a genuinely good matchup between a good Red Blacks team and obviously a Stan Peters team that seems to always be here this time of year. So yeah, I think it's it's shaping up for what should be a good showcase game for them. Now, as you mentioned, it's currently a nine-team league, perhaps on the verge of, of becoming a 10-team league. Um, you know, as you point out in your piece today uh, in the National Post, I mean, uh, TV ratings uh, are, are even up somewhat this year. So, you know, are, are things trending in the right direction for the CFL? Or what's, what's lurking below the surface? Well, there's definitely some good news stories. The ratings thing is actually pretty remarkable, given that TV ratings are genuine, genuine, generally down across the across the board for mm-hmm. all kinds of programming. So the fact that they're even up slightly for the CFL is a pretty good sign for the league. Um, they they are talking about expanding to Halifax. I have my doubts as to the viability of that whole operation, um, but they seem keen on it. And then the thing though that is is kind of there under the surface or maybe not even under the surface is that the, the country's three biggest markets in terms of population Toronto, Montreal and Vancouver are all places where the CFL has got some notable problems. Uh, attendance has been down in all three of those markets over the past few years. Montreal announced that they're going to actually lower the capacity of their stadium at McGill, uh, partly because they they just realized they can't get 20,000, 30,000 people in there anymore, so they're going to sell closer to 20 and hope that they can get some sellouts going that way. Uh, the Argos, obviously, have had several years of attendance struggles despite moving to a new stadium. And there's talk of the BC Lions maybe being sold again, but we've heard that for a number of years, too. So, to me, the you know, the CFL is embarking on this whole we're trying to grow internationally uh, idea under commissioner randy ambrosi and and i i'm of the opinion that they probably should worry about getting those problem markets taken care of first he yeah. he says you know i think we can do both but uh i i think if you're, i'm ranking what their concerns are i would be much more worried about getting those markets stabilized first 
Well, those, of course, uh, are the three markets in Canada where the MLS has set up shop. I mean, has that had a direct impact on on the CFL in those markets, do you think? I think it probably has. Um, The... I mean, it's it's hard to draw the the real parallel, but the CFL's biggest problem is with a younger demographic, and that happens to be the demographic that is is very strong in MLS. Um, certainly, anecdotally, in Toronto, the Toronto FC team is very popular with younger fans, and the Argos are not. Mm-hmm. I, I think that has been repeated a little bit in, in to a certain extent in Vancouver and Montreal. Um, it, 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 I mean, in Toronto alone, that shouldn't be a problem. There should be plenty of room for both these teams in the market. It's obviously a, a huge population base. You've only got, if we're talking to CFL, you've only got nine home games. Like you should be able to draw 25,000 fans to nine games. Um, but they, you know, we've been saying that for a long time there. So whether it's just an MLS thing or whether it's just long-term lack of interest in the league, it's. It just seems to me like everyone associated with the league sort of says, "I'm sure it'll be fine." Like they'll they're working it out. It'll get better. And you know, we're three years into the BMO Field experience, and it's not getting any better. And I just wonder how off, how long they'll be willing to. They're going to keep saying that before somebody realizes that maybe these problems aren't that fixable. Yeah. Well, when you talk about the idea of growing the game outside of Canada's borders, I mean, that, that conjures up memories of the whole yeah. weird U.S. expansion experience. But in the current context, what, what is the commissioner referring to? He is talking about growing support in places basically outside of Canada and the U.S. So today he announced a partnership with something called the Liga de Football Americano, which is a semi-professional league in Mexico, which I will be honest, I did not know existed until yeah. yesterday. <laughs> so so now he's got this partnership with this Mexican league that it's a bit unclear what it's supposed to mean in terms of what the practical implications will be. There'll possibly be some opportunities for a scouting combine between the two. So maybe there'd be the opportunity for, you know, the best, footballers in Mexico to come join the CFL. And even just saying it out loud sounds kind of silly. Like how many of those people can there be, but maybe there are some. So, but in in the broader sense, he's talking about if we can go into territories where the CFL presently has no presence, you know, maybe that will grow some fan support and be opportunities for revenue and stuff down the road. I, again, have a lot of skepticism as to whether that's a great strategy because places like the UK and Mexico are already places where the National Football League is and is with a pretty significant presence. We've seen them play games in those cities, regular season games that count in those cities. So I'm not quite sure where the CFL thinks there's a market to be exploited in those countries, but... um, for now, he's, the commissioner seems pretty keen on, on pursuing those opportunities. Well, it, there's there's a couple of big challenges for the CFL that are coming, and it's not in terms of necessarily Canadian eyeballs on the XFL or the Alliance of American Football, but with new mm-hmm. leagues launching in, in the U.S., there's that potential, right, an obvious potential that that's going to draw away talent. Yeah, I think a very, very clear uh, sort of warning shot has already been fired in that there have been reports of players who, or teams that have said, we had this player, that player in mind, and they've already told us that they've, they've in, they intend to play in this spring league. 
down south, this the Alliance of American Football is already uh, apparently offering contracts that w- that are more lucrative than what you would see from a minimum salary standpoint in the CFL. And I think the hope of that league is that there will there will eventually be some sort of like formal tie with the NFL as a developmental league or a feeder league or whatever you want to call it. And if those kind of things get formalized. I think that's probably going to be a more attractive option for some American players who can't quite make the cut in the NFL than coming up north. Um, there, that's a long way from happening, I think, in that you know that league hasn't even started play yet, so maybe it falls on its face and and it doesn't get enough interest to really get off the ground. But if between it and the XFL, if these are you know real operations that have some staying power going to cause real uh, challenge for the CFL and it's possible that that's some of the motivation here on the commissioner Ambrosi's part is that he realizes he needs to get inroads in other places as a potential talent pipeline if it turns out that the you know the normal American uh, pipeline dries up a little. Yeah because I mean it's always seemed to me that maybe it was a matter of time before some pro league really got a footing in the U.S. Maybe it's because you know, college football is so big in the U.S. There's not a lot of room between that and the NFL. But in a football crazy nation like the U.S., it seems like there's a void waiting to be filled. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the U.S. college. I mean, there's so many college players who play at a pretty high level in front of big stadiums every Saturday, and so few of them who can go on to pro careers in the NFL because there's only you know as many teams as there are. Um, that, yeah, there's, I think there's an opportunity for a, as other places for these guys to continue their playing career for some length of time. Um, and it's, 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 it's sort of like a league has to come in and say, we're not gonna, we're not trying to usurp the NFL. We're not going to do anything crazy like the USFL did when they sued them in court right. uh, and and they're going to just try to operate as a place a developmental opportunity for for players to to play and for the league to have kind of a firm system I think there's certainly the the possibility that that's all going to happen um, as you say it, it seems like an obvious opportunity I, I guess these things though have fallen you know, on their face before and, and whether it was the USFL or the previous incarnation of the XFL for whatever reason, um, I guess there's enough other sports out there to compete with football in, in the spring and summer, which is when American fans aren't as used to watching it. Well, that yeah, speaks to, uh, you know, as you say, some, some challenges potentially ahead for the CFL. In the meantime, we'll get set for the big game uh, on Sunday, much more at uh, nationalpost.com. Scott, thanks so much for making some time for us here this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Okay, anytime, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.